You're listening to the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. Here we go. Hosted by industry expert, trainer, and motivator, Scott Love. Hey, everyone. This is Scott Love, and thanks for joining me on episode number 12 of the Great Recruiter Training Podcast. And I know it's probably been about seven weeks since I did the last one. Usually, I, I wanted to do a podcast at least once a month, maybe even with a little bit more frequency. Uh, but I've been busy with my desk. I've been spending a lot more time growing my practice, moving away from the travel aspect of my training and speaking business, still keeping a lot of the virtual part of that intact as I coach and mentor people through the coaching program. But I got to tell you, there's no other business that has both the financial and personal reward of being an executive recruiter, being a headhunter. I think it's profession that we can be proud of. And right now, there is starting to become a lot more opportunity in that sector. If you're not seeing that, then you might need to look at where your strategy is with relation to client development. But in this podcast, I'm going to talk about three things. First, I'm going to give you an excerpt of one of the recent coaching club training calls that I did. Every week, Monday at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, I do a one-hour coaching club call for the members of the coaching club. Uh, this call is divided into three parts. The first part is a training session where I cover a topic on something that's relevant, spend maybe about 15, 20 minutes talking about that one thing. Second part of the call are celebratory moments where we look at who is closing deals. So for a lot of people that are solo practitioners, they get charged up when they hear of other recruiters who are making placements. A lot of the firms that are members that have large recruiters, they get excited when they hear there's a recruiter half a continent away that just made three placements last week and it charges people up. And the third part of the call is the Q&A, the consulting part of the call, where people can say, I've got an issue this is my situation, can you help me out? And I'll see if I can offer some advice, then I'll turn it over to the group. And it's the only place in the industry where you get weekly connection with the industry live over the phone instead of just over the web where you don't get to talk to folks. I'm going to play one of the excerpts from one of those training sessions that I did. It's going to be about 15 minutes long, and it's on how you can make first contact with strangers. When you're calling candidates and clients, what are some tips so that that conversation goes well during the first 10 seconds out of your mouth because they're going to make a judgment on how they're going to respond to you. How can you get better odds and making sure those calls go well? I'm going to play that for you here in just a second. But first, I'm going to tell you a training update. My next webinar is going to be on closing deals and not getting counteroffers. How can you get a candidate to accept an offer the day that he or she gets that and not take a counteroffer and start the day they say they're going to? Uh, that's going to be a one-hour program. It's on July 21st. It's free to members of the coaching club. If you're interested in uh, purchasing it, it's $77. If you're a solo practitioner, it's $57. And that's per site, $77 per site. If you want to register for that, go to my website. It's greatrecruitertraining.com. In the column on the left, click on the one that says webinars, and you can register it uh, directly right there on the website. All the information is on the website. Now, something I'll tell you that's going on right now as I'm doing this podcast that I'm really excited about is the British Open. The British Open is one of the longest sports tournaments in history, longest running sports tournaments in history of sports. It's played on a golf course that's about 600 years old in St. Andrews. It's called the Old Course. And about two months ago, my dad and my fiance, my dad's wife and I, all four of us went to Scotland and my dad and I played four different rounds at St. Andrews and one of those was at the Old Course. And while we were there, I was thinking about a recruiter that used to be a professional golfer. 
I did training with his office in Dallas, and I asked him, I said, what's the difference between you and Tiger Woods? When you're playing professional golf, what's the difference between you and Tiger Woods? And he said, on an 18-hole round of golf, there would only be about a two-stroke difference between me and Tiger Woods, and that's it. He got into recruiting because in his job as a golfer, there was just so much travel involved, and, and he wanted to back off of that and, and really just probably wasn't doing as well as he had hoped. So he got into search, and he'd done pretty well because he was a competitive golfer. He became a competitive recruiter. Recruiting is just like a sport. It's a sport where you have to have a competitive mindset. And as it relates to golf, there's about four key things that I remember coming away from at St. Andrews that, that really relate to what recruiting is all about. And, and one of those concepts was that each call makes a difference. When you're hitting a tee shot, and it might go 240 yards off the tee shot, and you bring it up on the green, and if you miss a two-foot putt, that difference, that two-foot putt costs, in terms of value, just as much as that long drive that you hit. Every shot makes a difference. When you're working a deal, you might spend a lot of time recruiting candidates and finding those people that fit. And now you're getting to the end game of closing the deal. This is where the risk is much higher of something going wrong because all that time that you spent into it could vanish if you say the wrong thing, if you have the wrong sort of inflection, if you don't tie the deal down. A, lot of, a big mistake a lot of recruiters make is that they don't prep the candidate on how the offer is going to come forward. They don't tell the candidate what to expect. They give the client total control over making the offer. They say, well, the candidate's ready to receive your offer. And they say, what are you going to offer them? They say, well, we don't know yet. We'll let you know. We're going to go ahead and send an offer letter to the candidate, which is exactly what you don't want to have. You lose control that way of the process. But every part of our process makes a difference. Just like golf, every shot counts. The second thing that I remember in playing at St. Andrews that relates to our game of recruiting is that it's all in your head. Golf and recruiting are very similar because golf is 90% mental and the other 10% is mental. <laughs> it really is. If you expect to get the business, people are going to respond that way. A problem I see that recruiters have is that they expect people not to be hiring. They expect clients to want to negotiate their fees down. When you enter a relationship with a client prospect that way, they're going to pick up on that. You always expect to get the full fee. You expect to win every single time. And a lot of times people are going to read that and they're going to follow your lead and they're just going to go along with it because that's what you say that you charge. You can always negotiate down, but when you expect things to go exactly the way you want them to, the odds are in your favor. Another concept, the third concept from golf that I took away from St. Andrews is that if you swing the club really hard and you just try to kill that ball, what's going to happen? Well, if you're a golfer, you know what's going to happen. The ball's going to, you're going to mess it up and it's only going to go 20 yards. What you want to do, you want to calm down, you want to take a deep breath, you want to exhale, and when you're relaxed, that's when you swing easy and let the club do all the work. And you're going to hit a stellar shot that way. Same thing on your desk. You don't want to stress out about the business. All you want to do is focus your energy in the right areas, the correct areas strategically, with the right intention, the right verbiage, and the right amount of intensity of effort. And you'll get the results. Don't worry about that. The business works. There's a formula for the business. It works if you work it. The fourth concept that I came away from St. Andrews with was that while you're there on the course and you're playing it, this grand old course, centuries old, world famous, it's not about the score. What's it really about? It's about the shared experience with those people who you care about. 
your loved ones, the people that you're there with. When people go there to play, they don't fly there by themselves and go there and play golf by themselves. They usually go with relatives or family members or just the guys, the people that they really want to hang out with. And it's not about getting a good score. It's about sharing that experience together. In recruiting, we have this balance. We have these agendas that we have to balance, and sometimes it seems like they compete. But remember this, it's not about the money, but it is about the money, but it's really not. Because when you make your contribution to other people your priority, you're going to make more money. When you take your eyes off of yourself and how much money you can make, and you put them on other people and find opportunities to serve, and you grow in your own personal character, then you're going to make more money. My signature quote is that recruiting is a personal development opportunity disguised as a job. Because having coached and consulted to so many people in this business, my own opinion is that every problem on a desk, every reason why someone is not producing can all be traced back to some sort of a personal flaw, a character flaw, which can be fixed through personal growth. That's my own opinion on that. I hope this made sense to you. I hope you enjoyed it. Let's take a quick break and we're going to come back and I'll let you listen to an excerpt from one of the coaching club calls on how you can make better contact with strangers and that'll wrap up this podcast. And if you're interested in finding out about the coaching club, visit my website. It's greatrecruitertraining.com. Click on the link that says coaching club. There's a tour that gives you an inside glimpse into that. If you're interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching, click on the link that says private coaching because I just created and I just launched a 12-week personal development training program that I'm offering to people in the industry. All the information is on the website. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Stay tuned and you'll get a chance to listen to the excerpt from the coaching club call on how you can make better contact with candidates and clients. I'm going to give a couple of ideas when you make first contact with people. And uh, someone had called me for coaching earlier this morning, and she recruits candidates in technology, IT folks. And she said, I'm brand new, and so I'm using some of the job boards. And she knows that they're not the best candidates. And she says, whenever I call these candidates, I call them, and I, and I feel like I'm being treated like, oh, yeah, you're another recruiter. What you got? She just didn't feel the same type of, of, uh, of affection or the same type of response that she would with passive candidates. And I told her, I said, well, when you call them and you tell them that you got their name off of the web, off of a job board, then they're going to say, stand in line. So I told her, I said, from now on, when you call those candidates, even if you know that you got their name off of a job board, don't tell them that. Hold your cards close to your vest. Call them and do your standard recruit call. Say, uh, Michael, my name's Scott Love. We don't know each other. I do recruiting in IT, and I think you may fit what I'm looking for. I just wanted to see if you're open to hearing about other things. And so I said, when you, when you shift the way you communicate with them, even if their resume is on a job board, even if they're getting tons of calls from recruiters, when you call them that way and you don't tell them that I know that you're looking, they're going to be much more responsive. They're going to be, oh, you know, it's funny you should call because I'm actually looking. Oh, really? You know, if you don't have to tell them that you know that their information is on the web. So I told her, I said, when you make those minor changes in how you talk to people, that gives you quantum results. And so uh, that got me thinking about what are some of the other little things that we can do when we communicate to people that can get a better response. So that's one idea. If you're calling candidates and you know that they're looking, don't tell them that you know that they're looking, and they're going to be much more responsive to talk with you. The second tip is this. If you can build in a referral, do that. And this is how you build in a referral. If you can, Even if you go to LinkedIn and you find out who someone knows, if you know that there's someone that you want to talk to, find out who you know that, that knows that same person, call them first. And you can reverse engineer 
that first contact with that candidate just by calling up someone that you have in common. Because remember, one of the principles of building relationships is we all like to be around people that remind us of ourselves. You know, we all like to be around people that, that we have someone else in common with. So we can reverse engineer that. So when you call up people, ask them, I'm looking for an IT manager. Who do you know that fits this profile? And they'll probably mention that person's name, or they'll give you the names of other folks. And remember, when you ask people who they know, don't say, do you know anyone? Say, I'm looking for an IT manager with 10 years' experience. Who do you know? And say it like this, that fits that profile, comma, someone who isn't looking to make a move, comma, and might even seem happy where they are. That way they're not going to tell you, I don't know anyone who's looking or everyone I know is happy. We ask the question by getting, by getting, by getting that rebuttal right out of the way. And so we ask them that way, and then when they give us a name, we always do two things. First, we say, what do you like about that candidate or what's unique about that person? And then secondly, would it be okay if I mention your name? And if they say yes, then say, terrific, I'll tell Jerry that you suggested I give him a call. And you always want to end that referral with, I'll tell him that you suggested I give him a call. You always want to say it like that. So when I'm calling that person, I'm going to start my call with, uh, Michael, my name's Scott Love. We don't know each other, but you and I have a com common friend in Jerry Smith, and he suggested I give you a call. Do you have a second? All of a sudden, wow, sure. Even though that friendship that you have with that other person is just a few minutes old, it can build a tremendously strong and very quick rapport with a complete stranger. That's another example of how just the subtleties, our whole industry, deals are made or broken on subtleties of communication. So that's, that's your second tip. The, the third one is this, the tone. When you make first contact with a stranger, you don't want to seem too happy. You don't want to seem like you and I know each other and I'm so happy. Hi, Michael, how are you today? You don't want to be too chatty like that up front. I always give the example of meeting a complete stranger and instead of giving them a handshake, giving them a hug. A lot of recruiters, a lot of salespeople are too happy too soon, too early in the call. We have to let that warmth, that relationship, slowly build over the life cycle of our conversation. And sometimes you can get to that point within about five minutes where, okay, now you built that rapport, now you got some trust there, you know they want to talk to you, now that you can let all of your energy hold, that, hold uh, come out. I know some people I've met, they're so bubbly and they're so incredibly warm that that's actually a deficit for them when building relationships with new people because they let all that warmth and all that enthusiasm and charisma come out too soon before the other person's ready for it. So we want to hold off and let that slowly build until we have, and remember, the three steps to building that kind of relationship. First, we find common things, common areas of interest. Secondly, we move to rapport, and then you can move to trust, and that's when you can let that energy come out. That's when you can say, okay, buddy, it's good talk with you. That's when you can talk to them like that. Uh, here's another tip. When you're getting through gatekeepers, and I think I mentioned this on one of the previous calls, when you call in, don't say, hi, is John Smith there? Say, hi, Scott Love calling for John Smith. You say it like that. Uh, here's another tip. When someone's calling in, and I had this happen today, I was making a call. Oh, is he just is he is he expecting your call? Gee, I I don't know. I, I don't think he really is. Is he around right now? I'm just going to say a truthful answer. I don't know. I mean, maybe he's psychic. I don't, I'm not sure. If I say no, well, no, he's not. 
it's a sales call or it's a recruiting call and you're relegated to the end of the line. Sometimes if it's a receptionist that I've got a pretty good rapport with, oh, well, Mr. Love, is he expecting your call? I'll joke. I'll say, well, well, if he's psychic, he probably is. <laughs> and, and, then, and then it kind of lowers the barriers, and they're laughing, and so now I've got a rapport with that person. They're gonna, the receptionist is going to let me through. Uh, here's another tip. When you're calling in, and I've done this, and you've got to be careful. Some people it works on, some people it doesn't. When you're calling in and a receptionist answers the phone, uh, may I ask who's calling? Yes, you may. <laughs> and then I'll stop. And some of them, they just, they just crack up. They say, oh, that's hilarious. Other people, it, it doesn't, they, don't, they don't find humor in that. I can't understand that. So that's just another example of, of just real subtle things can bring down barriers when you're trying to get through and talk to folks. Uh, another tip is this. I'd recommend that you record your conversations with people. And, you know, check with your lawyer. In, in most states, it's legal as long as one person knows that the call is being recorded. Uh, that just means you can't record calls of other people where neither one of them knows that you're recording that. But record it for training purposes and play it back with your manager or someone that you trust. You might think you're really good. I remember one time I did this. I recorded one of my calls. Actually, actually, uh, I recorded my calls, and I thought I was really good, but I just didn't sound as polished as I thought I was. And here's another tip. Here's, here's another one. I think we're on, like, number seven or eight. If you say the word, uh, when you're talking to people, that's a big problem because they're painting an image about how good you are based on how well you communicate. The people that you're talking to, they create a visual picture, a visual image about you and your expertise based on how you sound. And if every other word has a word, uh, after it. I remember a time a client called me, and he said, he said uh, I was referred to you by so-and-so. We've got a CFO search, and I'm thinking, this is great. I know I'm going to get the search because they called me, and they're referred by this other guy that everybody respected. And so basically I gave him my spiel about why I think he should work with me. And I went for a few minutes, and at the end of my spiel with him, he said, Scott, did you know that you said the word, uh, 55 times just now. That's what he told me, 55 times. That meant that when I'm talking with him, he's holding a pen and a, and a pencil and, and on a piece of paper, on a yellow sticky note, and he's putting these hash marks in, counting every time that I said the word, ah, 55 times. And that was very humiliating for me and also very humbling, but I needed that because I thought I was better than I was. And so what I learned was that when you communicate, if you don't sound as polished as you think you are, well, you th we all think we sound good. We all think we sound great until we hear ourselves, and you're going to hate it. You're absolutely going to hate me for making you do this, but you got to do it. Listen to you talk, and you're going to hear that you need to polish it up, and you're going to be thankful because now you hear how you really sound. If you're new in the business, talk with your manager. Your prob manager probably has a system to record your calls. If you manage other people, even if they're experienced recruiters, I would still spot check some of their calls every once in a while. Just say, some, at some point this week, I'd like to record some of your calls. And you don't have to play them in front of everybody as a group. You can bring them in your office one-on-one, -on -one, and you'd be amazed at how powerful the small changes are when you're an experienced recruiter and you're listening to someone who's new. You can give them immediate advice. Listen, when the candidate says this, you might want to say this. Sometimes it's just the verbiage that people use that if they just changed it up just a little bit, 
they get a lot better results. It's, it's amazing how close people are to closing deals that they don't close just because of the subtleties of communication. Uh, here's your final tip, is that the verbiage, the words that you say, people are painting a mental picture. Talk in a, in a, in a sophisticated, in a, in a sophisticated, talk in a sophisticated way. Be yourself, but use, use words such as, my pleasure. When they say, wow, thanks for calling me, say, my pleasure. I learned that from all the fancy hotels that I go speak at. When I go speak somewhere, I'm at a fancy hotel, my client puts me up. Every time I go somewhere, I thank an employee, they say, my pleasure. They train them on how to say that, to use elevated speech. The way we communicate, people are painting a picture, even as it relates to our search work. Even if you do staffing, don't call them uh, job orders, call them search assignments, because it's a search. It has an elevated perception in the mind of your client. And everything in professional services is all about creating the right sort of image. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Visit my website for free tools that will help you build more at greatrecruitertraining.com.